Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Little Wisdom. I am Shub. Today's episode, I wanted to share six fun facts because, believe it or not, it's been one year since I started Little Wisdom. Actually, a little over a year already. And um, I don't know. I just I didn't know what the best way would be to say thank you. And I figured, you know what? Instead of taking 12, because that would be a very, very long episode, I'll pick six little fun facts from some of the episodes I've done and condense them in here along with a thank you message for listening to this episode, for, well, being with me since day one, if you have, and if you've just joined halfway through the journey or today, then welcome, and I hope that you will stay. And also remember that we are on Instagram and Facebook. If you are keen to interact with us there, I know I say us, but technically it's just me, then it's at Little Wisdom Podcast. It's all small letters. It's all together. And I would love to hear from you, to hear what you think. Uh, And that's actually where you can stay updated on what's been happening next. All right. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Fun fact number six. Wild elephants, when they're captured for taming, are forced into tight wooden enclosures, often deprived of sleep, food, water, until they accept submission. Now, this practice is still done in uh, you know, quite a few parts of the world, and it's loosely translated to breaking the spirit. And what happens is that when this elephant grows into an adult, you'll see that a lot of times they're tied by their foot to a peg, but that peg is merely like a toothpick to this beautiful 4,000 kilogram creature. And the interesting thing that you may notice is that the elephant will, uh, will not pull, even though it can snap it at any moment. Why? The reason behind this is because it remembers the pain as a young one, and the trainers have not so much managed to tame the elephant, but rather tame its mind. Your fears and your apprehensions function the same way. There may have been a time when your fear or your doubt or uh, your hesitation was valid, but maybe it isn't anymore. Maybe you're not that person anymore. Maybe you're not that helpless at this point. And so your so-called chains of doubt could now just be a simple thread. And you, my friend, can go ahead and snap it. All right, number five. Aha, this one has to do with matters of the heart. Scientists at the University of California have discovered that couples in love have synchronized heartbeats. When couples sat facing and gazing at one another for three minutes, they realized that the heart rates of both the people were almost identical. I would love to see if this is true. Um, So if you ever measure this, please let me know. All right, let's move on to number four. Aha, this is about fears and phobias. Scientific evidence has suggested that phobias can actually be passed down as memories from your ancestors in your DNA. So what they did was they found that experiments on mice show that a traumatic event not only affects the DNA, but it also changes the brains and behavior of the next generations even if the next generation had never experienced the same trauma or that situation themselves. The study is actually now being used to provide more insights for, of course, phobias, uh, other conditions like PTSD, anxiety, and a lot more. 
And I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I think if you can pass down some fears and phobias and apprehensions, I think there is a way to pass down some good memories, some good stuff. Because if you've ever been to a place feeling like it's familiar, maybe you're drawn to a certain type of music or language or culture, for all you know, it's passed down from your ancestors. Let's move on to number three. What is one of the best ways to boost your memory? Think about it. Okay. Well, as recommended by Guinness record holder and the grandmaster of memory, Nishan Kasi Batla, stop multitasking. Yep, that's what you got to do. You want better memory? Stop multitasking. The term itself was actually coined in the 1960s to describe a function for computers that run multiple sets of instructions at the same time. The term is not supposed to be used for human beings. When you try to do more than one task at the same time that requires the use of the same cognitive functions, you slow your brain's processing, you increase retention of inaccurate information, and you make more mistakes. And of course, what else do you do? You got it. You interfere with your long-term memory. Having said that, there are some things that you can do. For example, chewing gum and reading. Uh, running while listening to this podcast, <laughs> chatting and having a brisk walk with your friend. All of these don't compete for the same functions. So it's okay. These things you can do. And uh, just a note here, when you're driving, it's a really bad idea to try and be on a call, to text somebody or anything of that sort, because it is not worth it. Um, there are certain things which you should definitely not try to multitask on. Life is precious. Please don't take that risk. Okay. You are precious to people around you. If not, definitely you should be to yourself and it's not worth it. So multitasking, uh-uh, no, no. All right, number two. Have you ever had too many options and you're sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, I can't decide? Well, Barry Schwartz in his book, The Paradox of Choice, claims that the lesser choices we have, the happier we are. And he also relies on the ideas of Herbert Simon, who divided decision-makers into two categories. One, the maximizers. These are people who need to feel that their decision was the best one possible. Uh, I suppose you could say they're kind of like the perfectionists. And the satisficers. I also don't know if I'm saying that word correct, but it's spelled S-A-T-I-S-F-I-C-E-R-S. So it's satisficers, satisficers. You decide. <laughs> anyway, the second group of people... These are not concerned with the thought of something better out there. Once they find something that they're satisfied with, they know how to be content, they let the other options go, and they are able to practice gratitude for what is. While there is varying data, on average, your brain can handle up to 12 choices at a time, but of course, the lesser, the better. All right, the number one tip, ladies and gentlemen, what was Napoleon's hack to being productive and staying focused? Well, he would give strict instructions to his secretary that unless his letters arrived by extraordinary or urgent couriers, they were to be left unopened for three weeks. When he finally did open them, he found that a bulk of the matters had resolved themselves without his need or any interference, and thus this saved him precious time and brain power. I know, I know what you're saying, or what you're thinking. We cannot afford to wait three weeks before responding in today's world. I get that. I'm with you. But we can take a step back and see and maybe learn something from Napoleon here. 
and really think about what needs our response or attention and whether it's really needed right there and then. Is it something that you can delegate? Is it something you can delay? Maybe it's something you can leave alone altogether and it will be resolved. So sometimes, yeah, you can. And while we are talking about Napoleon, I'll give you a bonus little fun fact. He was not a short man. A lot of times people think that he was, uh, you know, pretty short and hence the term the Napoleon complex. The man was actually average height. He was 169 cm. And the misconception came about because of the measurement system, because the French measurement for an inch was very different from the British measurement from an inch. In fact, the French inch was longer. So there was a bit of confusion there, and many people obviously were not fond of him. So it was easier to say that he was a short man. (laughs) All right, that is about all I have for you today. Thank you very, very, very much for joining me on this first year of Little Wisdom. And uh, I honestly didn't think I would make it to the year, but it's been, I swear, it's, it's, it's been quite a year for me on a personal level. It really, really has. A lot of things have happened that I didn't think would. And uh, I'm glad you've been here to listen to whatever I've been rambling on about. Please continue to support and I'll see you on Instagram or maybe Facebook. Stay wise.